0: Welcome to Sunrise, your weekday podcast bringing you a fresh squeeze into Florida's news, politics, and culture. I'm Tremel Gomes at the nation's capital. However, back in Florida, Governor DeSantis announced yet again his plans to sue the Biden administration over vaccine mandates.
1: And we will combat uh, the OSHA rule as soon as it's published. uh, The state of Florida will be joining with Georgia and Alabama as well as private plaintiffs uh, to file suit.
0: Records show the former felon who won the Republican primary in Congressional District 20 never applied for his second chance or the right to hold political office.
2: District 20 needs a second chance. America needs a second chance. I got mine and I want to give District 20 a second chance. And, uh...
0: and university faculty from across the state are backing UF professors while calling on the university to back off. Today's Sunrise interview is with the president of the United Faculty of Florida, Andrew Gothard, who is speaking out against the University of Florida's position that professors serving as expert witnesses in a case against the state poses a conflict of interest. We've got all that, including other top stories trending around the state and capital. Plus, we have your calendar of political events and so much more. But first, a word from our sponsor. You're listening to the Sunrise Podcast from Florida politics.
2: Following is a paid political advertisement paid for by Florida education champions. Online sports betting, it's legal and it's coming to Florida. With passage of our amendment next year, any tax revenues collected are required to supplement the Florida Educational Enhancement Trust Fund. Hundreds of millions of dollars in new revenue for students and teachers, with more choices and competition for Florida consumers. Be a champion today. Learn more and request your petition at FloridaEducationChampions.com. And
0: now the top stories on Sunrise for Friday, November 5th. Today is National Donut Day. On this day in 1872, Susan B. Anthony, a leader in the American women's suffrage movement, cast a ballot in the presidential election, and she was later arrested for voting illegally and convicted in a trial she called the greatest outrage history ever witnessed. And in 1945, Franklin D. Roosevelt was elected to an unprecedented third term as President of the United States. So here is an interesting update from yesterday's Sunrise. The winning Republican in this week's congressional primary in South Florida is a former felon who did not go through the state's process to restore his civil rights after imprisonment, according to interviews and records. Here is Jason Mariner talking about his criminal past and outlook about second chances.
2: I was a drug addict. Um, I was a convict. and. You know, I look around District 20. District 20 needs a second chance. America needs a second chance. I got mine and I want to give District 20 a second chance. And, uh, you know, one of the ways to do that is to ensure economic prosperity.
0: Under Florida law, in order to hold political office, a candidate must go through the state's process to get their rights restored. Jason Mariner is a 36-year-old advertising executive and self-described America First conservative candidate in Palm Beach Gardens. He won Tuesday's Republican primary with 58% of votes in Florida's 20th congressional district, which is heavily Democratic. Mariner had served roughly two years total in the Palm Beach County Jail over 2007 and 2012 on charges that included felony theft, burglary, cocaine possession, obstruction, and violently resisting arrest, according to records. This comes from reporting by Corbin Bolas of Fresh Take Florida. As for Mariner's opponent, Greg Musselwhite, he's unsure if he's going to contest the outcome, saying he trusted Florida's officials to confirm if his opponent was qualified for office. You can follow the rest of this story on floridapolitics.com. On Thursday, Governor DeSantis stepped up his call to fight the Biden administration over its implementation of federal vaccine mandates.
1: Federal police power. Uh, the federal government can't just unilaterally impose medical policy under the guise of workplace regulation. And that is exactly what they're trying to do here. They don't.
0: The governor's vow to fight came hours after White House officials unveiled elements of the long awaited U.S. employer mandate on Thursday. Under the rule, employers with more than 100 workers must ensure employees are fully vaccinated or provide weekly COVID-19 testing. The mandate, officials say, will impact roughly 84 million workers or two-thirds of private sector jobs. The rule will take effect January
1: 4th. This was announced two months ago, and it said this is an emergency and that this is grave danger is facing. Then why did it take you two months? To issue uh, the rule. And then, of course, the rule doesn't take effect until January, which is convenient because it's not going to it'll minimize workforce disruptions over the holiday season, which we know we're likely to see anyways. And then this would only exacerbate that.
0: Republican leadership in the legislature praised the governor. Senate President Wilton Simpson and House Speaker Chris Sprouls released a joint statement criticizing the health mandate as an unconstitutional overreach of government.
1: At the end of the day, individuals should make informed choices about their own health care. They shouldn't be coerced into getting a jab.
0: The 490 page rollout comes after Biden lashed out at unvaccinated Americans in September. Biden in a forceful speech said the unvaccinated are causing a lot of damage. We've been patient, but our patience is wearing thin and your refusal has cost all of us. So please do the right thing, but just don't take it from me. me. Listen to the voices of unvaccinated Americans who are lying in hospital beds, taking their final breath saying, if only I'd gotten vaccinated. If only, it's a tragedy. Please don't let it become yours. Well, Florida lawmakers will be talking about this topic during the governor's call for a special session which starts on November 15th. When you think of it, the legal challenges, a special session, There is a lot of noodles being thrown at the wall and I guess we will have to wait and see which one sticks in the governor's all-out war against vaccine mandates. Faculty from across the state are calling on administrators at the University of Florida to reconsider their position to block professors from serving as witnesses in a lawsuit challenging Florida's new elections law, which makes it harder for people to vote by mail. Political science professors Daniel Smith Michael McDonald and Sharon Austin were hired to testify as expert witnesses for plaintiffs. Andrew Gothard, president of the United Faculty of Florida, is our Sunrise interview guest today. Andrew Gothard, welcome to Sunrise. So glad to have you here On the program, we've all been watching the University of Florida and its decision to bar three professors from providing expert testimony in a case where plaintiffs argue Florida's new election law limits the ability for black and brown folks to really participate. And the university is basically saying the professor's participation is a conflict of interest. What did you make of seeing the university's position and just this case in general.
2: We were shocked when we saw them put that in writing. I mean, historically, higher education faculty at state university campuses around the state have been allowed to participate as expert witnesses in court cases, both for and against the the current uh, political party or the current governor. So to see this turnaround so quickly and quite frankly, out of the blue was, I mean, almost unbelievable.
0: The university sort of backtrack and try to make the focus on whether or not they were getting paid or they can only do it if it's pro bono. But as you mentioned, and as we all know, it, it's very common to have professors, experts, they're usually paid to provide um, their expertise.
2: Yes, absolutely. And, you know, we see the the later argument about that this was about pay as, as a real red herring in this case. You know either the either the testimony is a conflict of interest or it isn't and whether faculty are being paid or not is irrelevant to that and we also believe that you know it's not easy to become an expert in a subject area and it is nationally uh, a policy that when faculty provide expert testimony they are paid for their time as anyone should be paid for their time and expertise so i mean to us this just seems like an attempt for the university to save face and we, we, we don't accept it as a reasonable argument for why they denied uh, the faculty members their rights in this case.
0: What's the latest in the case and what's your organization doing to support the professors?
2: Well, unfortunately, the university has not responded directly to the union uh, on, on any of this, even though we have sent them letters and communications to see what their position is and to try to advocate for these faculty members. And it's my understanding they have not directly replied to the faculty members either. Um, but we are continuing to provide support. Uh, we are you know, talking to them regularly, we are talking to their legal counsel and we stand ready to defend them when and if the university decides to take any punitive action against them or in, in terms of their labor rights, because you know, as their union, that's our role. And we are happy in this case to step up and support them in any way we can.
0: To the question of being a conflict of interest as a professor or a faculty, member and at an educational institution where the main focus is learning and it's challenging norms and challenging the status quo and it calls things into question. What does it mean for other situations where another professor is at another university? And where do we go from here in this situation? Because you are working for the university, if it's a public university that is working for the state? And what do you do in those situations where a conflict of interest is already always there?
2: Yeah, that's a great question. You know, our view is that a public university is supported by public funds, and it it exists to promote the public good. And that is beyond the level of any kind of potential state conflict of interest. And we believe that the value of higher education is over and above and outside of political interest. Because as we know, politics shift, they change, different people get into office, different parties take control. But the advancement of knowledge, the improvement of our society, all of these things outlast individual politicians and their administrations. So we do not think that any. Uh, expertise that a university or its faculty provide can actually be a conflict of interest for the state because the university and the faculty exist to serve the public. Now moving forward, we know that there will that there are a lot of eyes on this case and we are confident that the other 11 state university system campuses are also watching to see how this turns out. So we are prioritizing this. this is this is incredibly important and we want to make sure that it's the public who does not suffer from this lack of expertise that can be given to the court system, to legislative bodies and others, just based on who's in the governor's office.
0: I know there are other areas where something similar can occur. You have to wonder about this possible conflict of interest that's being asserted by the University of Florida when you're pursuing like a project or grant opportunities that you sort of feel beholden to the person that's giving you those funds. So. To that question again, as these other universities look to this case, what should people do?
2: I think people should do what we have historically done at universities, which is to think about how the actions that they're undertaking are promoting the fields that they've dedicated their lives to. Because when you're doing that, you're making sure that society as a whole benefits. So whether you're in science, philosophy, arts, mathematics, whatever you're working on, If you are dedicated to making sure that that field is moving forward, then there can be no conflicts of interest with, you know, political groups or corporate entities or or anyone who really doesn't belong in the higher education classroom, because the goal is to make all of us better with that work, not to keep uh, individuals or interest groups happy.
0: Andrew Gothard, thank you so much for taking this time to speak
2: with me. I really appreciate your time. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me.
0: your calendar of events for this Friday. Several boards are meeting today, including the Florida Board of Opticianary and the Florida Board of Chiropractic Medicine. The South Florida Regional Planning Council and the Treasure Coast Regional Planning Council will hold a workshop to discuss issues of regional importance. The State Medical Examiner's Commission will meet in St. John's County. The Florida Public Service Commission will hold a staff workshop about a proposal to create a new area code in Palm Beach County. The proposal stems from projections that the existing 561 area code will run out of numbers in the coming years. That's at 11 o'clock. And the Revenue Estimating Conference will hold an impact conference, which typically involves analyzing potential costs of legislation. Now that group should be very busy. Finally, as you jumpstart your day, thanks for tuning in for today's sunrise. I'm Tremel Gomes, inviting you to join us again next week for a fresh squeeze into Florida's news, politics, and culture.